welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up, one point then from Luton and Barnsley, one win in nine, six defeats in nine, five points from 27. Relegation form. Let's talk about Barnsley first. The lineup was kind of as you'd expected it with that kind of front four. Yes, it was. Uh, and um, lining up in a 4 4 2 is very attack minded, wasn't it? Uh, and what we sort of wanted to see, really, with the team struggling for goals. The reaction on, on Twitter was very positive. That feels like a long time ago now. It, it certainly does, yes. Um, but unfortunately, we did not see uh, much of an upturn at all that first half, uh, other than a very well-taken finish from Josh Windass. It was pretty fortuitous, let's be honest, how it got there. But um, Wednesday had no other opportunity. They didn't. Like, there was one really good run from Connor Wickham, and the clock cross was cleared, but uh, that first half, there was just very little penetration, wasn't there, in the final third? Let's let's dwell on the goal, because it's probably the only positive thing we've got to talk about in the whole of this podcast. Um, it was it was uh, very well taken. It was kind of, from the, the angle when you watch the replay on the TV, it's kind of hard to sort of see what happens in the build-up to it. It's a little bit kind of like... It's it's like pinball, isn't it? Kind of balls knocking around. Suddenly it breaks for uh, Windass, but um, he does take it well. Um, I want to talk about kind of all the the new players in in a little bit more depth later on. Um, but one thing that I took from that Barnsley game was even though it, it didn't it didn't click with that forward line, it didn't it didn't really work. But I thought there were little moments and little glimpses that actually, with a bit more time together, it could work. You thought that, did you? <laughs> that, that's not an expression of a guy that looks like he agrees with me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought. Um, although, yeah, I mean, absolutely didn't click on the on the day. But I thought there were little glimpses of actually, you know, when when Connor Wickham is fully fit, when um, De Cruz has adjusted to Championship football a little bit more. Windass has not really been playing either, and they were kind of thrown in together. They didn't have a lot of time, kind of. Uh, in terms of prep, and I just thought little little glimpses, and just thought actually that that might well work once they played a few more games together. I agree with you, maybe on the fact that yeah, as individuals, yeah, that they've got something to offer, but it comes back to the collective for me, surely. That again, I'm not sure at the moment that the pieces are fitting together at all, and I think you know we'll come on to I know Luton in a bit and how unbalanced that was. But yeah, I, I saw what Gary Monk was trying to do at Barnsley and I applaud the sort of the boldness, the attack minded team trying to throw as many uh, you know, forwards on the pitch and and effectively looking at it as a four two four and going for the win as they should be against a team who are second from bottom and were on a dreadful run. Uh, but then of course Wednesday gave them a huge helping hand, a, a very big gift. Uh, with the Cameron Dawson error and equaliser. And from that moment on, yeah, they, they lost control. And you have to say that second half, I think on balance, Barnsley probably merited the win more than Wednesday did. Can't can't disagree with uh, with that. Um, a fair point you, you made there about it kind of being a 4-2-4. We talked last week about the fear of the fact that in that situation, the two 
is Bannon and Pagliapesi, which of course it was. A um, few stats knocking about about just how poor a game Joey Pagliapesi had, and it and it was poor, and he looked poor, um, and that for me was a big part of the problem. There was there was a defense, there was an attack, the midfield may as well not have been there it was it was just so it it just didn't it did, didn't do anything really well we've field. seen it a lot recently haven't we James that this midfield is getting overrun uh, uh, and that uh, I feel I actually think sometimes they've got outworked outfought outplayed uh, and we're talking about in that midfield Barry Bannon who was a, a very influential figure in the Wednesday team that got to back-to-back playoffs we're talking about Barry Bannon, who I think I saw a stat the other day that since 2017, he's fourth when it comes to assists in the championship with 21. So everybody knows how pivotal he is to this team and how he can pull the strings in there. But I think it's unfair to just single out Joey Pellipesi. Yes, there was a stat that came out of Oakwell where for a defensive midfielder, you'd be very disappointed in Joey Pellipesi's case that He's not gone down as actually recording a tackle and his past success rate, success rate wasn't great either. But Barry Bannon has been a shadow of his former self. And frankly, if there were more options, as we discussed last week in midfield right now, you, you'd have made more changes than what uh, uh, has actually been you know, taken place over the last few weeks. So it's, it's very worrying times, but it just looks, especially... Bannon, Pelly, Pessy, and we saw it last season uh, with Jos Lukai that uh, went with those two together. There were times where they actually dovetailed, I think, all right, but then they can just look too lightweight. And then when teams, certainly when they go with a three in midfield, it, it just becomes a very hard work and toil for them, and, they, and they're outnumbered. Uh, and for them to really, yeah, be. You would say at times outclassed at Barnsley. It's really disturbing, you know, to be saying that we shouldn't be saying that, but we are. You wrote a piece this week about um, Cameron Dawson uh, and Gary Monk being right to keep faith with him. There had been a few people calling for changes in the goalkeeping department. I guess that's natural when you see a goalkeeper that makes an error. Taking the back line as a whole, it's not been great, has it? The, there's a real lack of confidence around that defence and almost a lack of confidence in each other and that seems to be forcing individuals into making mistakes. Dawson's was the one that we didn't get away with, but across the last couple of games, there's been mistake after mistake at the at the back line and players that just do not look right on the ball and every time they have it, you, th- you fear they're going to give it away and... I know we're trending a little bit on Luton territory here, but Luton's game plan seems to be every time a Wednesday defender has the ball, pressure them because they don't know what to do. And that is starting to become a, a real running theme with, with this Wednesday team and this defence at the moment. Definitely. And I go back to what I said last week of where with the defence, there's been so much disruption there, especially in the full-back positions with Palmer and Morgan Fox picking up injuries. So players have been playing out position. And in fact, I think if you look at Dominic Ioff as a case in point, I feel like his form is now beginning to suffer by having to sometimes deputise at right-back or then we'll go to the, the middle of a three-man defence uh, and you know he, he was another one who really struggled, and I know we'll come to Luton in a bit. 
but I almost think it's understandable in some ways when there has been that disruption there and then you've got players who've been out of form and we've seen that in the last five matches Cameron Dawson has made two really bad errors uh, and his kicking it's got to improve and it's got to improve quickly his distribution uh, is a big weakness right now in his game and uh, you know, Cameron Dawson will be aware, well aware of it uh, that for Wednesday to play out from the back that uh, yeah, Cameron Dawson we saw I think under Jos Luka I think there were times where he did it very successfully but he, he's yeah he, he has messed up now a couple of times at QPR uh, and Barnsley and it really affected his performance as well after you know we saw in the second half at Barnsley where you know, he's come to try and punch it away and then he's ended up in no man's land and that could have been another costly error and the clamour to recall Kieran Westwood would have got even louder had that been the case uh, but it's pretty clear from what Gary Monk has said that Kieran Westwood is not coming back into this team anytime soon and that Cameron Dawson is the number one and I do think that's right and as I said in the piece that the fact is he is the future he is 24 and he is now on on a long-term contract at Sheffield Wednesday and so they've invested a lot in his development so they have to stick by him I think right now they have to and it's not just him who is low on confidence or who have has made mistakes I think one of the, one of the things that worries me a bit about Cameron Dawson is the fact that um he he's quite he, he's quite readable. You can you can read Cameron Dawson. His body language gives away quite a lot, and he's not. You know, if Kieran Westwood makes a mistake, he'll stand and scream at himself for five minutes. Like you can you can tell he he has a process that he has to go through in order to let it go. Cameron Dawson seems to go very quiet when he makes a mistake. He kind of goes in on himself a, a bit, and you can just see that it's bothering him. Um, and there's some there's some development that needs to happen there. He needs to he needs to learn a bit, I think, as a professional footballer to be able to deal better with with that. But I'm going to extend that to the whole of the back four at the moment, like the body language across the back four, the communication. When when Wednesday concede a goal, there's no one screaming at each other. It's just a bit of a Meh. and and back to the halfway line. And there's there's one or two players, and and I don't think the defensive mm. players, but there's one or two players that that are making a bit of noise, um, and and trying to achieve something, but. Um, I know we're jumping around a lot here because we've, we've got to talk specifically about um, Luton. But there's fans making points about how you know we've 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 obviously only taken one point from two games against bottom three clubs, and you'd expect of us we'd want to take six points. We'd probably settle for four points. One point is not good enough. It's not acceptable. And people that are extending that to being there's much bigger problems in the club right now. There's other stuff that's going on, and 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 you know it's just everything's a bit of a mess. And there's a total rebuild, get rid of a lot of them, and, and all that kind of stuff. When you see what's happening when we concede, and generally, if someone makes a mistake, and the the body language, the communication, the way the players are talking to each other, and you just think, actually, there is something not just not right within this team at the moment. I think some of it, yeah, I, yeah, I get the frustration, and there's. Huge disappointment at the minute and people are rightly concerned uh, at the slump in form. The way the team are playing for me actually is, is the biggest concern. It's the, it's the style of play. It's actually, at the moment, I'm not seeing what what Gary Monk, his vision is and what and the direction that he's trying to take this team in. And, and I think that's what's got to change above all else. But I think... It's very easy to go over the top and and be a little bit knee-jerk and then start looking completely at all the issues at the football club 
when Wednesday when and that's what happens though. That's what happens at all football clubs. When results start to take a nosedive on the pitch, then everyone starts to point fingers and look at everything that's happening off the pitch. Uh, and so it's it's a tricky one that, that yeah fans they they want to see it quickly turn around and change but we know and we have been talking about this for the last twelve months that with the multiple transfer windows are needed and that this overhaul has to happen this summer it has to doesn't it the big rebuild but, is this summer but I the. You, you, you're quite right, but I, I, I do worry that the problems go deeper in terms of the fact that do I have faith that with a couple of transfer windows, with four or five transfer windows, that we'll get it right? You know, we've how many transfer windows have we had in the last five years, and we find ourselves in a worse position than we were five years ago. You know, it, it's. Um, I, I get There's, there's a total from. lack of structure there. There's a lack of plan there. Um, as you highlight, you know what. It, Am I confident that Gary Monk has a style of play that he's trying to get this team to do? Are they just not carrying out his instructions? Has has he lost the the players? Are they just going out and not doing what he's asking them to do? Are his instructions not clear enough? Does he not have that vision? Does it not exist yet? Um, Have I got any faith that we will recruit the right players right now? No, not really. Well, I would say on the recruitment... The, the last two to three windows, I think we have seen signs of the trying to change that. I, I, so I'd, I would defend the recruitment in the last couple of windows. Since, since if you go back to January last year, the summer, and then even with the loan signings and the type of players that we try to bring in, I don't think the last three windows you can criticise too much. The scattergun recruitment policy post-Wembley, that is what the club is still paying for right now. Lumbered Do with a. Still doing it though. What in terms of? I, I think when we bring in players now, we're papering over cracks. What what we well, haven't well, done, what we didn't do in January, is bring in. But but you wouldn't say the, that the, you wouldn't say Dominic Iorfa. You but you wouldn't say Dominic Iorfa last January, and you wouldn't say Massimo Luongo as two of the permanents. You wouldn't say that that's papering over the cracks. I would have said that's trying to take the team forward. I, I accept what you're saying, but I what what I don't think that they are is two cogs in a bigger picture that we've got worked out, which is the style of play that we want to play long-term and we've identified and we're bringing in the players that match that style. We're but, bringing in players that we that... think, oh, he's a good player, we'll yep. sign him. And then you sort of think, well, where does he... You know, Dominic Ioff has played centre-half, then being at full-back, then being in the centre of a three-man defence with players either side of him that looked uncomfortable playing wider... And and you just think what? Where is that plan? Where is that thought about the start, the, the kind of football that we want to play? I know I used this example no. before, but you look at Brentford, right? You go back and look at Southampton in their heyday, clubs that have a very clear direction about what style of play they want to play, and they're planning four or five transfer windows ahead. They're saying, well, that player's twenty six, so in two years he's going to be, you know, probably around his peak. So we need to be looking to bring in a replacement for him in two transfer windows time. So you send your scouts out to go and see who's playing well in League One. That's the player that we bring in, and and then he's got a year to get up to speed before he takes over that position. That went miles and miles and miles away from that. 
that. I accept Luongo, good signing, great. But have we have we built a midfield around him? Do we look like we're about to build a midfield around him? Or and it's not as as scattergun as it as it was. Are we just going out and thinking that's a good player? Let's bring in him. Have we changed our style of play to suit Connor Wickham after bringing in Connor Wickham? Or have we just shoved him up front and just gone? Go on then, go and score goals. I I think that some of Wednesday's plans have been affected clearly by the managerial upheaval over the last few years, that there has been no stability there. And so each manager brings in their own coaching staff. Well, unless you're Gary Monk, who's only brought one so yeah. far, but that's another uh, subject altogether. But then, yeah, Steve Bruce, Jos Lukai, Carlos Carvalho, all different styles, different methods and ways of operating. Uh, so I, I suppose, again, that, you know, what, Carlos Carvalho might have been doing would have been completely different to Jos Lukai. So maybe it's been difficult and I would say challenging to then get a model almost of, of perhaps what Wednesday, you know, should be looking at to build for. And it's what Gary Monk was saying after Luton and, and or, or this is what the club have to be looking at now moving forward is the structure. And I do agree with you. I think it's short, medium, long term that, this season, right, stay up, right, get to, get to the end. We've got, what, 14 matches left, right? We're, we're crossing our fingers and we're hoping that Wednesday don't get hit with a huge points deduction. We'll stay up by hook or by crook and that they've then in the summer got those out-of-contract players. Gary Monk will then get the funds or get some money hopefully to wheel and deal if they get big offers for Dominic Iorfa and Adam Reach or Barry Bannon they seriously have to look at the trading side of it and think if by making one huge sale does that then give us wiggle room to reinvest in other areas of the team they've got to be looking at all this type of planning They've got to be looking at and thinking that what is the best in the overall picture uh, for long-term success for this football club. And it's not going to happen overnight, and we know that. But we, we, you're right. We need to hope. We need to start in the next few months with a bit of luck, seeing more building blocks put in place. Well, I mean, it, it need, th- there's a debate at the moment, and I think it's only among some fans about whether or not Gary Monk is the right guy. I think I've, I've seen a lot of people saying, look, it's it's silly to be talking about um, whether Gary Monk should get the boot, right? And, and, and it is. But I also feel a little bit like Gary Monk feels a bit irrelevant. Like, it doesn't really matter if we get rid of Gary Monk and bring in another manager because the structure goes so, or should go so much deeper than the the manager, right? The, the clubs that we see that go on to be successful, not all of them, some, some, some clubs kind of get a little bit lucky, but the clubs generally that go on to big success and you look at, you know, Norwich, they're struggling in the Premier League, but last season they got things right in the in the championship and that structure was way more than just the the manager you know it's it's about a football director a sporting director whatever you want to call it it's about the other people behind the scenes that you just don't really see that you don't know much about um Sheffield United prime example everyone sees Chris Wilder being the figurehead of it there's a lot of people who are involved in a lot of different things that make that machine work um hence you know they got promoted to the Premier League on one of the smallest budgets in the championship which is insane and doesn't happen but clearly does happen um that 
for me is the worry and and I totally get what you're saying about it's about getting through this season it's about fingers crossed that the points deduction either doesn't happen or isn't too severe because then we're in real trouble um but then when it comes to the summer do I think oh well it'll be great now because we can get rid of all these players and bring in all new players and everything will be great again because that structure's just not there and it goes so much deeper than Gary Monk and has he brought in his own team because it should be it should be higher than that you know who if 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 what happened with Steve Bruce happened with Gary Monk and he gets an offer from somewhere else and goes we should be able to bring in another manager and just carry on like we did before and I remember I was on holiday when um Steve Bruce left during the summer and I wrote a piece for the um I was I was sat on a I was sat on a, a boat in the Norwegian fjords and this sounds like I'm making it up but it's true. Uh and um I was just sat on this ferry and it was dead relaxing and I thought I'm just gonna write some stuff about Steve Bruce. And I, do, I sent it across to I think you were on holiday as well at the time, and I sent it across the side. I don't know if it actually got used or not because I was on holiday, I don't know. Um and it was about the fact that yeah, Steve Bruce has gone, but what he was doing, that rebuilding programme, can just continue. We're just bringing in another manager who just continues what Steve Bruce did. But we didn't do that. And what we did is we brought in another manager who brought in his own ideas and it all changes again. That is just wrong. That That's not a solution for how to run a successful football club in the 21st century in this day and age. You can't do that because the manager could go at any point and then you're back to square one again. And right now for me, and I know it's dramatic, but, you know, it was a late night getting back from Luton last night and I'm tired. But... <laughs> Like, we're just getting it wrong. Sheffield Wednesday are going nowhere right now. And it doesn't really matter if we bring in a few good players in the summer. I still think we're going nowhere. Right now, it's hard to disagree with you. It is, uh, this club needs a plan. That's what it does. And it, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Or, as you say, they're going to carry on treading water. Uh, and the chairman can't throw loads of money at it, as he did in the first couple of seasons they're going to have to change the ways and and it starts this summer. Well, you'd like to think it's already begun and maybe we have seen some evidence of that, as I've said and touched on with some of the signings uh, uh, for the long term. I, I suppose what I, I would say, going back to the, the pressure that Gary Monk is perhaps feeling right now, what I would maybe turn around and say at the moment is if Steve Bruce was in charge of this team, do you think he'd be getting more out of these players than what Gary Monk has done over the last nine games since Christmas? You, you'd probably think so. Um, I agree with you on the wider issue of the club, yeah. the overall picture, but we're talking purely about the first team options that Monk has at his disposal. Would Steve Bruce or another manager be at the moment getting more out of them, more of a tune out of them. Probably, but then what you're describing is, is systematic of the problem that I've just talked about, which is that, you know, if another manager comes in and can get better results out of the players, then there's something wrong with the structure of the club because that shouldn't be the case. Um, I know I mentioned it before, but I'm going to go back to that example of, uh, I mean, Southampton have mucked it up, but when Southampton first got promoted back to the Premier League and their model was every year they had a manager that did well and someone else would go and nick them and they'd already got the next manager lined up that just came in that suited the system and they just ploughed on with what they wanted to do. Um, we've seen it with, you know, with, with other clubs who haven't needed to make the change in manager that example again of Brentford and they've had the same manager for a while but they went through that period didn't they where a manager would do well he'd go somewhere else and they'd, they'd got the next one lined up uh, and you know the fans when when it looked like um, Dean 
what's his face, can't remember his surname, was going to go to, in fact, he was rumoured to be going to Wednesday at one point, but when he was going to Villa, I've got a lot of friends who are Brentford fans who are just like, oh, we're not bothered, it doesn't matter, you know, they'll have the next person lined up. The the project just ploughs on and continues. Look where Brentford are in the league right now, look where Sheffield Wednesday are in the league mm. right now. You know, it's chalk and cheese, and we're just miles and miles and miles away. And I hope there's stuff happening in the background last uh, at the moment. I just, I don't have any faith that there is. Uh, and that for me is a worse feeling than coming back from Luton having lost and turned in a bad performance. That feeling of, well, you know, it's, it's short-term disappointment for long-term gain. Because at the moment, it's short-term disappointment for long-term disappointment. Um, and you can, you know, waggle a fifteen-year season ticket under my face for however much the savings are. I, you know, thinking about where is this club going to be in fifteen years? Phew, I haven't got a clue, and no faith at all right now that it's going to be a good place. There's a lot of things to <laughs> let's talk <laughs> about. Big, I was going to say that was a big puff, puff of the cheeks there for me. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, 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 you're right. There's, there's big improvement is required all round and uh, a lot of hard work is going to have to go into getting things moving and heading in the right direction I can't add any more <laughs> to than what you've already said let's cheer things up uh, and let's discuss the defeat at Luton then <laughs> so um, changing formation um, three. I, I, when, when the team came out I looked at it and then my friend said "Oh, um, Dom's tweeted to say it's going to be a back three and I'm like no, it's it's the it's his last it's his last away game before he leaves the star. He's just having a joke, and everyone's falling for it. Why you wouldn't? I would not have looked at that lineup and thought, "Oh, that's going to be a back three. Where's that? I mean, where where's it come from? And secondly, why would you do that on a midweek game when you played on the Saturday? That's mm. the kind of thing that you do off the back of an international break, where you've had a couple of weeks to work mm. on a whole new formation. If it had have worked, we probably wouldn't be saying that. But it didn't work, and it looked like a group of players that didn't understand what they were supposed to be doing in that formation. Well, yeah, Gary Monk said that they'd worked on it in training and Gary Monk talks a lot and has done, hasn't he, over the last five months about uh, clarity and people knowing their jobs. That back three did not know seriously when it comes to communication, when it came to decision-making, who was doing what, it, that first half, you know, Luton should have been outside. Luton should have been three or four up. Uh, and I'm not just blaming the back three. Um, but it, it was just very strange, really. And and also, I think some people will rightly look at it and think, how much respect to Sheffield Wednesday showing the bottom club of the championship have won two out of the last 20 matches by completely changing formation, playing a system they've never played before under Gary Monk, then playing players out of position. And and it was just all very strange, muddled, unbalanced. Fernando Forestieri for the first and probably last time in his career playing as a left wing back. Uh, and then t- taking him off at half time when I actually thought that, again, if anyone was maybe going to perhaps open up Luton, it would be Forestieri. I would have still kept him on the pitch, maybe just put him into a position where he's more comfortable and can do more damage. And and actually, Dominic Iolfa possibly had his worst match in a Wednesday shirt 
and I I felt sorry for him in the I, I I don't understand why he was put in the middle of the three for me surely that had to be Tom Lee's yeah uh, and to put I offer to the right hand side and I'm not saying that would have made it a huge difference. You know, Julian Berner looked uncertain of himself. The amount of times that, that back three gave possession away. Like you said before, the pressing, the harrying from the f- Luton's forwards. You know, Izzy Brown ran him ragged first half. Collins was a handful. Cornick again just terrorised them. They had no answer. And midfield, what you know, there was one change, and Kieran Lee came in for Jerry Pelipesi. That was no great surprise. And it just flitted in and out, didn't he? Kieran Lee and, and Barry Bannon struggling. Josh Windass and Alessio de Cruz looked like they were interchanging, playing off Connor Wickham. And the service into the forwards has been nothing short of rubbish in the last two matches. The, 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 the lack of shots on target, the, just creativity. Every, just everything yeah and that that first half was as bad as it gets and we've seen some shockers recently but that you know against a team who had lost seven out of eight unacceptable yeah I, I can't agree with any of that um, the back three for me all looked scared of the football they looked scared of the ball coming towards them they just looked like they didn't know what to do we saw Tom Lee several times um, just end up putting the ball out of play because he just didn't know what to do. And, they all and, did, by the way. Yeah, all, abs- uh, there was one in the second half where Burners well, lumped it out. Yeah, uh, I, I all for for the the goal. Yeah, you know, how uh, in, as much as you know, we criticised Cameron Dawson for the error at Barnsley. That was just as bad, but it was like a hot potato, wasn't it? The football. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like watching. Uh, it was like going back to school and being like, you know, a form tournament and there's always a, you know, a class that just aren't very good at football and they're just, you know, they're kicking the ball to each other and none of them really want it. Um, and you've said I, it before, off- by the way, how many times have you said it recently that this this defence, this team, they can't play out from the back right now or they shouldn't be asked to do something that you would have to say right now when the team are low on confidence and struggling for belief. It's, it should really be going pretty much full full on direct. Which is the least dangerous option right right now. And and um look, you know, I offer and Burner have been two of the you know, the more positive points of this season generally. But I've touched on this before and I've gotta just say it the way that I see it, which is I think that they both think that they're better than they are with the ball. Right? I think that Burner has some confidence on the ball that his feet just don't quite match. Um, and I offer, I think, just gets a bit lucky sometimes. Um, and when he looks out, like, you know, I've seen, how many times does he, do we see him just tread on the ball and, and mm. he leaves it behind him and just stuff like that. And at the moment, it's all exaggerated because we're in awful form and this stuff sticks out more when we're in awful form. But uh, that just everything about that defensive performance last night just just did not did but not also work. to concede a penalty after 15 seconds I mean that that was almost comical and, no, and was... I was just stood there almost laughing just like what what's going on I've not watched any of it back I can't remember how that penalty came about and what happened um the same for the for the goal it felt like it was just 
um, across the board, just poor, weak defending that that led to those situations. Mm. Um, at, at, at worst, Luton should have been two up after twenty minutes. They missed an absolute sitter yeah, uh, midway through the the half. It was no real surprise when they scored. The only real surprise was that they didn't really add to it. Um, I can't give you any positives from that first half because no, I can't. See any. There was only and, one and chance. Was the Forestieri curler from about 25 yards yeah, out. Which, but, which I was right behind and you were like, that was never even no, going to trouble no, the goal. No shots on target. The only positive I took was Kadeem Harris. Kadeem Harris, I thought, came on and injected some pace, enthusiasm, and he drove at them and he put in a couple of good crosses, had, had a shot saved. I thought Kadeem Harris looked like a man who uh, had a point to prove and was disappointed to lose his place in the side. And uh, for me, again, it, it just highlighted... If you're going to play three five two, and and you're going to go say all out attack, or you're going for the three points, that's where again I question the team selection. Thing. Why was Kadeem Harris not starting on the left, and why was Jacob Murphy not starting on the right? It just did not look right, you know. So you had Liam Palmer, who's more defensive minded in that position on the right, and then Fernando Forestieri, who. Let's face it, just what his strong suit is not going to be tracking back defensive discipline. And he, in that first half, how many times was he just drifting in field and just going? You know, it wasn't sticking to his position. You can't rely on him to stick to his, you know, for his positional sense. And there was there was a point, wasn't there, when Bannon's tried to knock it out wide as if there was a wing back who was going to be there, and, and, no and Forestier is in the centre of the pitch. I I, I wonder. I mean, it, it's so strange this because. We've we've seen times where we've thought Gary Monk doesn't trust Fernando Forestieri to track back and help out his fullback enough to to start him. That's kind of what we've talked about it before. I thought he just doesn't trust Fernando Forestieri to get back and help. So when you're playing him as a wing back, so he's responsible for you know, both ends of the pitch really. Um, whips him off at half time. It, do you think that Gary Monk was just almost trying to prove a point here? The, I mean, I wonder now whether that's it. I wonder whether we'll see Fernando Forestieri again now, whether or not he'll just say, right, well, that's it. I've tried it. Can't trust him. He, he won't do what I tell him to do. So that's enough for me to, you know, he's the next one on the on the blacklist and we'll just not see him anywhere near the, the team. And almost like Gary Monk was looking for justification to, to do that. I don't think he was making an example of Forestieri. I, I, I still think that Forestieri's going to be involved and have a, a part to play in the final 14 matches. Yeah, I, I I don't see it as that. I think that Forestieri will, for what he can offer attacking-wise, I still believe, and with Wednesday really finding it difficult to find the back of the net, I think it would be foolish almost to not utilise Forestieri uh, in some capacity, whether that's starting or off the bench between now and the end of the season. When you're on Gary Monk's blacklist, though, like that's it. There's no. There doesn't seem to be any coming back from him. Well, it's reminiscent, as we've said, to Jos Lukai from two years ago. It is. Uh, we are going back there a little bit. That it's very much Kieran Westwood, Sam Hutchinson, David Bates, and Sam Winnell and Jordan Rhodes appear to be joining that as well. So it's growing, and this is where especially when the team is not winning, not getting results, struggling for confidence, form and everything. And 
you look at the bench and he's promoting youngsters. So that is with one eye on the future. So we should be applauding that. But then he has discarded the senior players and he's taken that decision himself. And so, it, as he pointed out after Luton, the book stops with Gary Monk. And he knows that. And so, you know, he was taking full responsibility for, for Luton. But the players are letting him down. Yeah. The players are letting him, the fans, everybody down uh, right now. Uh, and um, he's taken all the flack for the last two matches. Uh, and senior players, they haven't stood up and they haven't apologised for the, the poor run, the, the disappointing performances that they've been putting in. And I don't feel like it should all be falling on Gary Monk's shoulders. It, the, the, these senior players should be taking some of the criticism. It's 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 pretty rotten at the moment, isn't it? Um Let's hear from Gary Monk then um, and let's hear what he had to say after defeat at Luton. I look at the bottom line is it's not good enough. I totally understand that. And yeah, we're in a run of games, last eight or nine, nine games, where yeah, we're in a situation where we haven't turned it around. And um, yeah, I think a lot of that has been for real some schoolboy defending and schoolboy errors leading to goals and making it difficult for ourselves. And um, I understand it. A little bit of maybe a lack of confidence and, and belief, but you have to fight through those moments. It's the only way. You have to fight through as as a team and as, as an individual and, and come out the other side of it. And, um, and yeah, but what you can't do is, you know, especially in this recent games, we have, we're making errors, very basic defensive errors, so needless and something that we were very good at before this period, which we weren't making and, and, um, and giving ourselves an even bigger battle to, to try and overcome. But um, yeah, the bottom line is, of course, I'm fully aware of that. It's, it's, it's not good enough, these run of results. How concerned are you about the balance of the midfield at the minute and the creativity and the... Yeah, look, at the end of the day, as a team, we're not performing to the levels that we have done and what we've seen, you know, what we've seen they're capable of. That's very clear. When that happens, there's a lot of things that, that you see that you think, OK, can be better or are not good enough. So, um, yeah, but your job is to set the team up, have the clarity and then try and give them belief. But also belief needs to come from within as well and fight to get themselves out of this situation and needs to come as a collective but um, as I said it's my responsibility very clear it's my responsibility I'm the manager of this team and this football club and, and the results in this period have, have simply not been good enough What did you make to some of the fans at the end chanting you're not fit to wear the shirt Look, the I, I just said it there I've got the utmost respect from every club I've ever been at I've always had the full process of you're there to fight for them and, um, and they have the right to say whatever they want they have the right to have any opinion that they want um, they paid their hard earned cash to, to come and support their team the team that they love and, and you have to take that and in this moment it's, it's more than deserved we have to be take that on the chin and understand that you know and, mm-hmm. and understand that that's what we're representing and we're not doing good enough for them and, um, but ultimately that's my responsibility um, mm-hmm. I'm not doing good enough in this period for, for them to warrant any praise so um, I totally understand the criticism but, but you're taking full responsibility Gary but are these players are they hurting enough at the moment with the run that you again you have to ask those questions to them but I like them I work with them do you know what I mean I've got respect for that group but I know the world I live in it's my responsibility it's my, this is what the world we live in do you know what I mean ultimately it was always be the manager's head and I understand that so I can't accept that it's been good enough for me you know in this period and um, I've tried as I always will do you know fight as hard as I can and set them up and seen what we, when they do it to a high level what they can do but we haven't done it to a high level oh, me, that, that lands at my door so um, I have to t- assume that responsibility I do that and what do you expect from Reading? if I'm honest with you it's about us I'm more focused on us um, as I always am but more so in this period because um, it's only us that can change it 
and us to can get ourselves out of it but it needs a, a big collective fight and, um, and I'm trying to push that from the players and, and get that from them and, um, and of course naturally confidence levels you can see aren't at the highest levels but what I want from the players is to fight through that and show the strength of character and um, they do have it in them you know we've seen already in some of the you know weeks that we've had you know you think of the week you know Brighton away and Leeds you have to have characters to go and do that He's, definitely, he's having a hard time at the moment, Gary Monk, isn't he? And, and, you know, as you kind of mentioned before about him taking kind of the flack, um, half-time when the players were going off against Luton, pretty loud chance of Sammy Hutchinson's name from the away end. Um, very, I mean, I was halfway down the road back to the car, but I could hear you're not fit to wear the shirt at full-time. We're in a... We're in a place right now, aren't we, where it's on it's on the verge of all going really quite toxic. Like that that you're not fit to wear the shirt. I've not heard that for quite a long time at an away game. I've heard it a couple of times at Hillsborough in you know in, in recent times. But at an away game and generally away fans there tends to be a kind of a slightly more positive feel. You know, they sang the first song that, that I heard after uh, the game kicked off was Cameron Dawson's name so you know fans were kind of showing support for for him but then you know very different feeling at at full time last night absolutely and it's usually when results go wrong that they start turning on the manager but yeah now we, we are seeing big cracks we're seeing the divide that's what it is it, it, everything's got fractious every uh, and fans have had enough really of, of these underperforming players uh, and expect better and uh, you know we've seen over the years what they can do but the fact of the matter is this squad it's past its sell-by date and it, it, it really needs a shake-up uh, it's needed a shake-up for a long time uh, and we're finally going to get it in the summer um, and it really does feel as if you're almost muddling through until the end of the season, uh, before you know the big rebuild can begin, let's do a, a, a bit of a, an early school report on the uh, three new signings. Then, um, so two games now we've seen uh, Wickham and Windass. Two and a half games that we've seen De Cruz. Um, let's talk about Connor Wickham first. He looks to me a player who's um, not quite match fit, but Particularly last night, my worry was he looked a bit lost. He looked a little bit aimless. Didn't really seem to understand what he was supposed to be doing. And and the moments that we've seen from Conor Wickham, and there's only really been a couple, but they've been very individual moments rather than being team moments where he's kind of shone. Yeah, he, he, as you say, looks rusty to me. He looks like a guy who has not played a lot of football over the last few years. And Wednesday are trying to get him up to speed mentioned it before the service into him has been really poor not up to scratch so he's had to feed off scraps uh, and so I do feel for him I think he at loose and he struggled for me in holding the ball up and, and I expected better really and he, he, he looks a different player to what he was in his early loan spells and that's understandable after everything that he's been through with his injuries uh, and that you know, he seems to have really bulked up and he's probably not as light on his feet and as mobile as what he was uh, in his last loan spell uh, and 
I I did say that expectations do have to be reined in a little bit with him. Uh, and I think we've definitely seen evidence of that, that he needs, I, I think when it comes to the supply line, it's going to be very important for him, for him to shine. And the reality is that in the Barnsley and Luton matches, the opportunities he's had, I can think of the one header in the second in the second half of Barnsley. That's all he's had. But he needs crosses, I think, into the box. I think that's, you know, he, he needs good service because by and large, I don't see him creating a lot of chances for himself. You, you make a point about him not, not really holding the ball up very well against... Luton because he's a he's a big guy. I've forgotten how big he is. Like he's he's a unit. Um, he looked weak. He looked weak on the ball against Luton. That's they not shackled him. Yeah, I, you know, I think I he was he was I knocked def- off the ball quite easily. A couple I, I of defend times. him, and then also some of the Wednesday players. I think that they they struggle to adapt to the pitch. I think yeah, it's not the, the best of surfaces, but that's no excuse. I still expected far better from Wickham and the rest of them. And ball retentions just generally in this team has become a huge issue over the last few weeks and that's what's ended up actually putting more and more pressure on a very fragile looking back line. De Cruz, um, for me, looks like a couple of a, a couple of bright moments where he's had the ball. Um, I think he looks to me like uh, a real flair player in terms of the fact that there were large periods of the game against Luton where I forgot that he was on the pitch and he was just he, he was just out of the game, and then he'd go through kind of periods of being quite involved and looks like one of those players. And we've had a few of them over the years that that drift in and out of games. And when it's their game, then they'll they'll kind of grasp it and take hold of it. But I think he's going to be one of those that's got a tendency to go a bit missing as well. Yeah, I think he's going to be hit and miss at times, definitely, and he's adapting to new culture, new country. Uh, new league, everything, uh, and so it, it, I think of all the the new signings, it's going to be the most challenging, definitely for him, and and I think for understandable reasons. Uh, I think we've seen some bright moments, uh, and, I, and I do think he's got the ability to go past players, and he has got pace, uh, and I like his attitude too. Actually, I think he's got good work ethic on him. Uh, I, I'm not seeing a player that. Well, I'm not seeing a player. You're smiling. Here, I'm, but, I'm smiling just no, because but, you know he came with a reputation as being a bit hot-headed. Like yeah. he's had a few red cards, and there's been little moments that I've seen that I'm like, I can just imagine him kind of, you know, a bit of a response when something kicks off. Yeah, maybe a bit spiky, he, and he I like that. that. That's sort of a Gary Monk player, actually. I think he quite likes players that have got a bit about them there, and so nothing wrong with that. Um, and I actually, for the, of the three of them. I would say so far that I would... I've seen more encouragement from him, actually, than uh, of all the three. I think he's done the best so far. And yeah, I know he's played a little, a little bit more, more than yeah. the other two. Um, Windass, then, another guy who wasn't really playing in, a, I must say, pretty poor Wigan team, but a Wigan team that outplayed us. But um, he looks to me another player that I, I think he's, he's, not, he's not afraid to get hold of the ball there's little signs of being the kind of player that would take a game by the scruff of the neck. Like he, he will run after everything. I think his work rate's really good. Um, the, the final product's not really been there yet, but again, he's not really had chances. The one chance that he's had, he took, he did have another, I can't remember what it was, but it was quite early in the game. He did have a chance against Luton last night, which I can vaguely remember in my mind. And I refuse to watch the highlights because it's just depressing. But, um, 
the you know, little signs from Windass that I quite like what I see of him. I think my worry is just whether or not is is, is the quality there from him. Um, and I think I'd summarise that as he is probably as good as the players that are around him. I don't think he's a player that's going to win you a game out of nothing, but he'll work hard. And if it clicks with the other players that are in the forward line with him, I think it could be a really useful part of a a unit. We're miles away from having that unit right now, but as I said earlier, I've got to stand by it. I think if we stick with that front, I don't know if I include Forestieri in that or not, but that front three, that front four, but those three that we're talking about there, Wickham, De Cruz, Windass, I think we've got to stick with them, which is difficult because as you said, Harris came on and probably looked brighter than anyone else. And he's, he's had a little bit of a rest now that maybe he needed. He's got a point to prove. Um, Murphy, I thought looked like he wanted to be involved when he came on, uh, probably more so than, than some of the other players that, that were on the pitch from the start. Well, looking ahead, it's what, what are they going to do for Reading? Is he going to stick with a three man defence or will he get revert to the back four and who does he play who does he leave out what changes does he make I don't think we have the players to play as wing back so I think I I, I, I think I, I, I sort of want to applaud Gary Monk saying alright fair enough trying something new I think it was the wrong game the wrong week the wrong circumstances to to try it um, and I don't understand the logic in doing something when you've played on a Saturday changing it for like if you're going to change it at least do it after Reading when you've got a full week then like work on something over the course of a, a week footballers we've said this before footballers are generally quite simple beings you give them a job to do and, and tell them to go out and do it and they'll they'll do it um, when you're giving them two or three different jobs to do and switching between them, then footballers can very easily get confused and that's when things start going wrong. And that's exactly what we saw from those Wednesday. They didn't understand the roles that they were supposed to be playing. Three central defenders playing in three central defensive roles and none of them understood the role they were supposed to be playing. Like that, that's just wrong. Either they're, either they're not very good footballers, which I don't think is true, or the the system just wasn't wasn't right. I so think to have played I, I that system. That well, I think to have, to play that system better. For a start, they need a natural left footer, and so the obvious person, if he was fit, would be Adam Reach. But Adam Reach, I think, is unlikely he'd be available for Reading. Uh, so straight away, that limits your options. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's you go back to a back four, and do you know what it is? It's a case of going. Back to basics. Defensively, that's what Gary Monk was uh, referring to a lot last night. The schoolboy defending and that they've made defensive errors. And that and that was the strong point, wasn't it, before Christmas? And that's where now they've really gone backwards uh, and have given so many soft goals away. So that's what's got to be rectified. Uh, and hopefully Morgan Fox will be fit. And come back in, and that will be a boost. Uh, I think they've missed him, definitely. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and it's who who he then picks at centre half if he goes to the flat back four. Who do you leave out? I, I, I think under Monk, he's probably gone more with a partnership actually of I all from Burner. So it, I think it may be Tom Lee's that would miss out if he did a flat back four. There's justification for leaving yep. any of them I've, out well, after, exactly. after that. I mean, that it, it, it does worry me a bit, the idea of um, I offer and Burner as the 
as the central defensive partnership after the way that they've you know played in some of the recent um games but you know exactly tom tom lee's looks an absolute shadow of informer self and and i unfortunately think he's one of those players that maybe falls into that category of maybe his time's up now uh and it's time for him to move on at the end of this season and this rebuilding unfortunately has got to include tom lee's as the supposed leader of this team because he ain't there's going to be some big decisions to be made tom lee's and barry bannon the two that are contracted until the following summer. Uh, and it will be a case of, yeah. right, right now, I hear what you're saying, uh, and there'll be quite a few Wednesday fans who'll be listening to this thinking perhaps the same as you, James, but it will come back to the usual of, with the form and the way that Tom Lees has played and Barry Bannon, uh, how many clubs do you think will actually be seriously looking at those two as... Uh, as possible options and looking to strengthen the team with and would put offers on the table, I would suggest not many will be queuing up to be buying Wednesday's players full stop right now with the way they're playing. What would you do in midfield against Reading? I don't think there's many well, the options. Goo, I think we've got to stick with well, well, this is it, that you've got Hutchinson that is unselectable, unavailable. Uh, Luongu injured. You're left with Bannon and Pelly Pessy and Kieran Lee. Um, unless Gary Monk decides, right, I've had enough, I'm going to give Alex Hunt a go. And frankly, We've talked about this, haven't we? Frankly, I think it's almost getting to the point where uh, if you're going to try and get the fans on board and on side, and right now this club needs unity and needs actually positivity, it might not be a bad thing to throw Alex Hunt in. And so... F- the, the, you know, you, we know that the Wednesday fans would get right behind one of their own. They were, I, I think, you know, I'm sure, you know, given his full debut on Saturday, uh, and I've seen a lot of Alex Hunt, and he's got quite a few you know, good qualities about him. You know, he's, he's actually a very good technician on the ball. He's got a lot to offer. So I don't think we're getting far away from the point where I'd be thinking long and hard about chucking him in. I'd love to see him in the team. He's he's been in the squad the last few matches. And the fact of the matter is, you know what the other three can do. We've seen enough of them and they haven't worked or it hasn't been working. And in fact, in two of them, you've got Pelly Pessy, Kieran Lee, who might not be here next summer. So if you're actually looking with one eye to the future, then Alex Hunt would be the way forward. But of course, it's as Gary Monk said, that we're also in the here and now and he desperately needs a win and a result. As to the club, as to the club, as to the team, as to the fans, need a lift. This is going to link us very nicely onto our opinions. Um, let's quickly um, on last week's, which was uh, all about marking the uh, January transfer window out of ten. You went seven, I went six. I've done the sums. It was a good one. The average score comes in at six point one eight. As if you've done that maths. No, I'm good at maths, me. I passed it at GCSE, just. Uh, this week, so I'm going to tell you a story here about the uh, the journey in the car on the way to Luton last night, as we record this on, um, I don't even know what day it is, Thursday morning. Um, so um, we got an, it's a conversation that we've had many times, and I'm quite vocal about it, uh, about the FA Cup, right? And about how I'm just not that fussed about it. And... Um, this led to a conversation that my friend John said that he would take Wednesday winning the FA Cup this season and being relegated. 
And he said, for any club, you'd take being relegated, but winning a cup. Because winning a cup are the moments that you, you talk about and reminisce about. And I'm like, well, I think if you asked a Wigan fan whether they'd go back and would exchange winning the FA Cup final against Man City for staying in the Premier League that season, I think nearly every uh, Wigan fan would, would take that exchange. Um, and this conversation went on. And, and then I asked the question of, right, would you rather have three points against Reading on Saturday or beat City in the Cup the following Wednesday? And he said, City in the Cup every time. I, I would rather lose against Reading and beat City. So that is my question on our opinions, because I think the complete opposite to that, as you'd expect. I am much more interested in three points on Saturday against Reading and City can come and hammer us 8-0, I don't care. But I... I suspect that the vast majority of fans feel the same as me, but I don't know, so I want to settle it. So, three points against City, uh, three points against Reading, or beating City in the Cup. Well, you'd widen it too, actually. You could include Birmingham the week after. So, say, take, with the way and form rut Wednesday are in, three points from the next two games. All right, right. Well, I'm just thinking to... You know, keep the owl's opinion going for as long as possible into next week as well. But I was thinking that, um, no, for me, I'm sorry. Right now, it's all about the bread and butter. It really is. It's the week. It would be fantastic. Of course, it would. If Wednesday somehow turned over uh, the reigning Premier League champions, FA Cup holders at Hillsborough, and it would be one of those fantastic nights at S6. But uh, the reality is that with the looming EFL charge still hanging over Wednesday, that, my my word, they need points on the board. So, um, no, I hear what John's saying. I I think, I, you know, I, I know a few Wigan fans and, that, you know, they never forget winning the FA Cup. You know, that's going down as, you know, one of the greatest moments ever in their history. They've been rubbish since. Exactly. Absolutely terrible since. Yeah, they have. And they've just yo-yoed between Leagues 1 and the Championship, haven't they? So, um, yeah, imagine if Wednesday, yeah, if they won the FA Cup this season but got relegated. I I just think the vast majority of Wednesday fans, no. I, 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 I think they'd be, well, it would set Wednesday even back further, going down. And having to and rebuild there, horrendous. So and, and I, and he, he was absolutely adamant. He would say, "Yeah, I would absolutely take." His phrasing, and he backtracks on this. His phrasing was, "I take ten relegations uh, for <laughs> winning the FA Cup." And I'm like, "Right, well, that would put us in like you know the um, the the Vauxhall, I don't know, National League. Just go with non-league or something." Yes, yeah. uh, and he, he did retract that. He did retract that. To be fair, so it was good. Exaggerated a bit there, but I, I wouldn't. You know, for me, it's, it's league all the time because that's what we go and watch week in, week out. And I remember going mm. to watch the League Cup final in '91, and it was great. But you know, I, at the moment, I'm going to watch fairly average, if not poor, football week in, week out, and that's what I'm more bothered about because that is, as you say, the bread and butter. All right, I reckon we do this as a Twitter survey right up to kickoff on Saturday. So uh, you've got to act pr- pretty quick on this one to get your vote in. So three points or beating Man City in the cup. Right, you can catch Dom on Twitter at Domhausen. Last game on Saturday. It is for the star, yes. Very Emotional exciting. scenes. Mm. Will there be tears? Uh, yeah, probably but, well but up be a your bit. tears <laughs> no, yeah. tears of joy no, t- <laughs> will it be or tears of joy or tears of uh, what disappointment I hope it's not the latter we will I, see I could do yeah let's hope Wednesday bow out yeah bow out in style 
Uh, you can get me on Twitter at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law. You can find at Title Law or on the interweb, titlelaw.co.uk. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.